to curated advice on better living. Get different perspectives on personal development like healthy habits, mindset, relationships, functional movement, and biohacking. If you're looking to improve your life, but you're overwhelmed by the endless sea of self-help content, you've found your new home. We'll talk to all sorts of people from other cultures, accessing different philosophies, real people's stories, and the lessons they've learned along the way. This is the Curated Advice on Better Living Podcast. And now your host, Khaled Sultan. Oh my God, can I slurp my coffee? That would be so funny. You so, can do it. You okay, awesome. It. Because I, lo- I love doing these like videos on Instagram where it's just me eating and yeah. like I make a lot of noise or like I slurp. Yeah, and you, you, like, you're a cruncher, right? Yeah, you like man. To- but I do it like, like even more so on purpose just to annoy people because like I know it's like everyone's pet peeve. I, I love messing with people. But why, like, why do you like messing with people? I don't know. I just like being a shit disturber. Yeah? So you're yeah, a I troll. Think it's funny. You're an actual troll. <laughs> But only in real life. Okay. We're here with uh, Aida or AIDS. AIDS, yes. Yeah. How do people react when you tell them your your nickname is AIDS? (laughs) Because usually that has a a not so favorable connotation. Uh, Yeah, they definitely look at me like I'm crazy. Like, are you okay with that? I was like, yeah, I'm okay with that. You're a digital marketer. You're a consultant. You're a digital nomad. So you can work from anywhere. And for a lot of people, that's their dream, you know, to move somewhere move wherever they want, travel, move somewhere affordable. Tell me about your journey. Like, how did you, how did you reach this point? It's been a long ass journey. It started off with me essentially taking a break from university and wanting to go to law school. So I was working at a law firm in Abu Dhabi. And at the time I was dating one of the partners there and he put me in touch with someone because he was like this is not for you law is not for you you should go off and do something else he put me in touch with a pr firm and this pr firm actually did some really amazing work with the bill and melinda gates foundation they were trying to eradicate polio at the time and so what we were doing was producing materials that would um if I'm not mistaken i think it was convinced the government of the crown prince court in the uae to give them funding to help them to do this um sidebar they actually completed that whole like vaccination um drive and i think they reached close to not like close to 90 something percent of people in pakistan being yeah fully vaccinated against polio which is awesome but anyway doing stuff like that was really cool because i got to see that i could actually help people i guess use my skills in communicating so basically i decided to kind of go down that route and once i did i realized how brutal like really brutal the industry is when you're starting out uh working really long hours expectations are crazy but i had a good first job i was working with uh, the dubai mall and i was managing their social media the whole premise of like Ahmad, who, who owns the dubai mall is do it now their whole like um ethos like their motto i guess you could say um is do it now like whatever you have to do work-wise do it now the n-o-w stands for no other way i sound like i'm an infomercial for Ahmad, but no yeah. really like how much are they paying you for this? <laughs> uh, cash at me later. Um, but no, for real, they had this really awesome way of working. And that kind of instilled this like drive in me that is still in me today. And it actually uh, spilled into my regular life where I remember in your last podcast, you were talking about doing dishes and stuff. That's me like immediately. Like I do not leave anything. It's, I do everything now. I don't procrastinate. It's amazing. It's, it's really hard for most people. Y- yeah. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but um, it's just, yeah, 
I feel like that kind of um, when you work somewhere that is really, I guess, uh, supportive and where the people are very um, motivating, it kind of just like it just infiltrates your life. Like it, you can't help it. So anyway, started off there. They helped build this like awesome creature called Ida who does everything like a, a robot really quickly, really efficiently um, and finds creative ways to save like them money because that's what's required at all times, especially in marketing. People don't want to spend, but they want to reap the benefit. Um, and most marketers can like relate with me on that, I guess. Yeah. And that's not always um, realistic, right? It's like some places, like I have a buddy of mine who works in a school and as they're expecting they're cutting down on their staff and that's putting an extra workload on the staff so that sounds really counterintuitive <laughs> yeah it sounds really counterintuitive so digital nomad which a lot of people are trying to do but mm. they just don't know like what are the first steps and how to get there so what was your journey like yeah so um, after I established my kind of I guess good work ethos thanks to Ermad cash up me later um, I decided that I was going to go off and do things on my own because I did not want to be part of the brutal kind of industry where I had to break my back to kind of work weekends I had to do a lot of hard work that I didn't see the value in it for me and I wanted to make sure that I was was basically learning not just work ethos but learning mm. on the job and the way that I decided to do that was to start to create a portfolio for myself I was like okay so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take note of every single thing that I do that I think is an accomplishment and mm. that other jobs and other people would think um, is an accomplishment too um, I started to note them down in like very kind of uh, rudimentary fashion and then slowly started to actually put imagery and things into it to actually create what is now my portfolio and that's what I recommend for people to do whatever job you're in um, whether you're already a consultant but you want to go off and do things on your own write things down write your accomplishments down and your accomplishment can be anything from being part of a project, leading a project, offering advice on a project. All of that stuff matters because essentially you're adding value somehow and that value needs to be noted down for your personal use. Okay. Is that because that sounds like something you would list in your like CV? How does that benefit you? Me as an Ida? No, you like a, a person who's trying to, you know, become a consultant or a digital nomad or build their own brand. So in your CV, you would note things down that, but you wouldn't note down like the, how can I explain this? So for example, I worked on a project with the Dubai mall. They wanted to become the most tagged mall in, in the world. Okay. And um, it was simply because our CEO was watching CNN and they were like the most, you know, Instagram tagged location is like, I think it was Eiffel Tower at the time. And he's like, no, I want it to be the Dubai mall next year. Okay. So it was like, okay, game on, like, let's do this. Um, that's not something that I can put on my CV where I was like, oh, I, I mean, it is, but it, again, it, it's not an accomplishment that people want to see in my industry. They would want to see more numbers if they're looking at my CV. But in my portfolio, it is there because I can, I, I have like the articles, I have the images um, and it's a bit more uh, flashy. Mm -hmm. On, in your portfolio, what you want to see is the flashy stuff, the stuff that's going to attract someone's attention. So it's like I worked on Dubai Shopping Festival, for example. Yeah, sure, whatever, on my CV, it's just there. But on my portfolio, they can see the images, they can see the influencers that um, we managed to work with, they can see the numbers. It's a bit different when you have it in a visual kind of setting, I suppose. So did, you, uh, did you, you and your team achieve that, making Dubai Mall the most yeah. tagged? Yeah, we really? did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> what did you guys do? What was your strategy? <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't want to go into that. <laughs> well, Without details, in a nutshell. Um, 
just lots of hard work and lots of, I guess, um, cutting corners, uh, lots of competitions. That lots answers of, like, nothing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> a lot of, I guess, what, so do you know what, what Black Hat SEO is? It's like basically like when you... I know SEO, but I don't know what the first part is. Black Hat, so it's like Black Hat hacking, for example, or there's like White Hat hackers and Black Hat. So, and it kind of is, I guess, intuitive where like White Hat is good because white is good, apparently, and black is evil. Oh, please elaborate <laughs> on this side. No, I well, okay, so Black Hat um, is basically just, yeah, doing things in an evil kind of way. So, like, if I was a, if I said I was a Black Hat SEO, like, person, then that means I would do things like keyword stuffing or, like, uh, just all these, like, sneaky tactics to kind of get to the end goal of having good SEO, but not doing it well, but doing it in an underhanded way so I get I an get unfair it. advantage. So it's, a, it's just a specific approach and mm. maybe an inauthentic approach to SEO. Yeah, but, right. like, the term Black Hat, like, is just used for what, like anything right just just to kind of um, tag on to the fact that you're doing it in the wrong way okay so like yeah we did a lot of black hat like stuff i guess yeah to, to to get the results and they didn't mind right because at the end of the day it's about the results exactly you get it yeah no yeah. one wants to know right and yeah. they'll deny i mean you you have to do things in a way where you're not exposing your senior staff to the potential like liability right. of what you're doing yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they can claim well, ignorance. at the end of the day and they want something done and you're getting it done and this is the way to get it done yes sir so. yeah um that's what i would recommend for, for for people their portfolio should kind of look like their cv but it's this flashier version of their cv right and it's where they can put stuff that they might think might not add value to their cv but will add value to their portfolio okay so like i worked on this campaign or or you know dubai mall something like that yeah. something flashy yeah exactly 100 okay. percent so what happened next? Um, next thing I did was I actually had to build my confidence so I could actually believe in my abilities because, I mean, I was like a kid. Like, I started freelancing. I don't even know. I'm not going to say because I'm not going to give away how old I am now because black don't crack and I've been, like, living off of people thinking I'm, like, you know, a kid for so long. Yeah, I'm you look gonna, young. Thanks, man. <laughs> Um, so basically, I had to start building my confidence and I would reach out to friends and family to see who I could help. And even if it was for free, I would just kind of do it just to do it and say, OK, so actually I can try and fail at this because I'm doing it for free. It's fine, but I'll learn. Mm. So whether it was um, doing paid search for them and, you know, like losing them, like, I don't know, $30 a day and they got like one web website click. It was like, OK, sorry, man, but, you know, I'm learning here. But I learned Did You know what I mean? And that's way, one way to learn, right? To try. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're like an accountant and you want to go off and do like your family's accounting and stuff, like please don't like get them in trouble with IRS or something. But Definitely. Like, <laughs> like, like know, know your stuff before, like know the the risk, I guess, of, of what you're doing before you go off and do it. For me, it was just, okay, you're losing like a little bit of money on paid, but you know, I'll get there and you'll recoup that money, hopefully. That was actually a big thing for me because I'm not, I'm not big on... I didn't study marketing, right? I did. I studied like political science, human rights, criminology, all the stuff to go to law school. So marketing was something super different for me. And by that time, marketing and digital marketing was already like a field. So there were people right. out there that could do what I was doing better. 
And do you feel like, honestly, this is how I feel, let's face it. You learn more from being on the job and actually like having a hands-on approach doing things than you do in university, mm -hmm. at least from my personal experience. Yes, I 100% believe that because um, I have worked with juniors who have come fresh out of uni and I've been like, perfect, this like fresh blood's going to like teach me new things, but no, you know. Um, I need to teach you things now. Yeah, but it's kind of annoying because I, I'm this person that likes to like leech off of other people's knowledge and just like tell me everything. And then I'll be like, okay, thanks bye that was fun um you're a knowledge leech yeah i really am it's really bad it's really bad <laughs> but, but yeah like i feel i feel like that still happens now and it is because you learn on the job that kind of took me a couple of years and i still i still have that you know i still have that where i'm but i know how to fake it now i know how to fake the confidence i'll be like to, to a client oh for sure i know how to do that yeah for sure and then you know i, I hang up and then i'm like googling like how do you do right, this how do i do this yeah, exactly but i have confidence in myself now because I have accomplished things. I'm like, oh, I've done, you know, harder things. I, I can do this for sure. You know, you can do it. You yeah. know that you'll find a way to get it done. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's really important for whoever's looking to start up on their own. Just have faith in yourself because no one else will, right? You have to have it first and then that's how you convince others to buy into your brand. Would you say that would be the your first recommendation on your list is just to, you know, have confidence, have faith in yourself? I would say it's build your portfolio because or like note down your achievements because when you look at that like sometimes when I look back at my CV I'm like oh damn I forgot that I did that or like I look back at my portfolio like like all the way up to slide one like after okay so if you're yeah. saying build your portfolio mm -hmm. we're assuming if somebody wants to be a digital nomad or, or consult or kind of be independent yeah they should have already have good work experience in the field not necessarily good but it can be with sort of notable brands or no notable people to start yeah because to start off on your own just after uni as like a consultant, it's a bit difficult. It's like, right. what are you yeah. like? Yeah, where where you is your knowledge coming from? You would say from? like, go work for a bit, get some experience, expose yourself to the market. Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. And build connections. Like my, a lot of my past colleagues have become like my future clients. And actually one of my colleagues or past colleagues right now is a current client of mine right now. Because yeah, like that's, yeah, you have to build the connections. Absolutely. Okay, you mentioned the importance of, you know, uh, listing down your accomplishments and, you know, having confidence in yourself. Uh, you know, what are what's next on the list? And, you know, for somebody who's, because this is a difficult thing, you know, people start, it's hard enough to graduate and then, you know, find the job, get your foot in the door, and then you start getting work experience, which, you know, we both recommend. But then wanting, like, after you've gotten that work experience, wanting to move, you know, to being a digital nomad and be independent, which is a brave move. You know, you get used to getting a salary and you're comfortable. Yeah. How do people take that step? Because it's a lot harder than people think and you've done it. Yeah, it is really hard. Um, it is really hard. So I definitely recommend starting off while you have a job, like so doing weekend stuff, doing shorter projects. Um, so for example, I started off with just doing things like uh, writing on the side, research jobs with former colleagues. I'd be like, okay, you need like, they'd be working on a big project and they just needed someone to do like a bit of research on XYZ, I'd be like, okay, I can do that for like X amount of like dollars. And it helped them and also helped me because I was like, okay, I can actually use my own skills to get money versus like, you know, re relying on um, 
a job to tell me how much they're going to give me mm. based off of like my experience and blah, blah, blah. Um, so definitely look around. I know it's really difficult in the GCC to find these kind of short term jobs, not going to lie, but uh, like that's where I, I was able to get my experience. So it's out there. You just have to ask. Um, and that's another thing. Like, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and ask people. I think that that's super key. Like a friend of mine uh, who is an accountant, the girl who I mentioned, she is trying to start her own thing. And she like, reached out to me and she was like, okay, how do I do it, et cetera, et cetera. And actually I have a client that wants to come to Qatar and set up here. And I was like, you know what? You need an accountant, buddy. Like, so I, you know, like was like, okay, I'm going to set up a meeting. You never know, voila. Like you just have to tell people around you what you're doing and try to hope that you have good people around you that will, you know, drop your names in important conversations. That's the key, good people. Yeah, exactly. And hope, I mean, the idea is that hopefully if you call them a friend, they're good people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing I would say is to never stop learning and to build your skill set. So that's something I did. Like because of all the fresh young bloods that were coming out with digital marketing degrees, I was like, okay, I need to also make sure that I'm, you know, getting all my certifications and I'm actually learning the stuff that I need to learn. Because initially I, all I was doing was writing content, posting it on social media. And even that back then was like, oh my God, wow. It's like, but no, it's not. Like the, the data, the analytics was what really got me going. Um, and back in, oh my God, I'm going to say it, 2013, um, it was like quite rare to find someone that actually wanted to look into the data. And I had like good people around me who I could rely on for advice, but that wasn't enough. I had to do it on my own. I always tell anyone who I work with, you have to do things on your own. Like learning on your own is so much more important than someone just telling you, oh, this is how you do one, two, three, because it sticks with you for longer. And then you feel so much more accomplished because you've done that by yourself. Like you went out there and you took the initiative to learn on your own. So whatever your job is, continue to grow and learn and don't get complacent with you know just having the nine to five and relying on that honestly that's super important and it just made me think about how when i was in the radio some people would you know they have their specialty and you tell them to do something else they don't want to do it they don't want to learn they're just closed off to it like a lot of presenters would be like i'm not editing that's not my job you know what i did was i tried to because i'm curious by nature right and so i tried to soak up as much knowledge and try different things and you know at the time it's like why are you doing this you're just adding more work to yourself but i was enjoying it yeah and then later after i left the radio those skills are still with me and and I can utilize those skills to produce the podcast on my own. I don't need anybody for editing. I don't need anybody to, you know, record, to, to distribute it, uh, to do all that stuff. That's so awesome. you never really know, like the skills that you acquire, like you said, they can stick with you, even if you don't use them, even if you were to have a team, like I'm going to relate it to podcasting or recording because this is what I know. Let's say if you have an editor or you have someone that does all that, that's fine, but it's good to know. Yes. It's good to at least know how to do it. A hundred percent. Cause then you can like vet their skills also for when you are hiring them or um, if they don't do a good job, you know how to actually tell them how to do a better job. Like you're right. It's, it's, it is super key. And it's so annoying when you do have people that you work with or who are around you who are like that where they're like no I'm good I'm good with just this this knowledge base it's like no man like you know the world is changing so quickly around you like you need to well, not need to but like um, if you have this ambition to do things on your own and to go out and like achieve things where you're not relying on like a job then you 100% have to have this quality of being curious and wanting to learn because yeah. the world is changing so quickly you really do have to continuously teach yourself and I can imagine 
imagine, like especially in something like digital marketing, where there's new new softwares for you know analytics, SEOs, and all sorts of stuff that's currently changing. And, and you mentioned, and so you have to constantly you know get certified yeah. and learn. And there's nothing worse than that's it. Like they're holding on to the same knowledge, the same set of skills 20 years ago, and yeah. they're closed off. They're not willing to hear it. Yeah. So that was a really good point that you made. Did I make it or did you make it? I don't know. <laughs> But um, to be honest, actually, in this field, I haven't met anyone, like even the um, older uh, generation, I have not met anyone who has not upped their knowledge. Like actually the opposite. A lot of people who are like like white haired old guys losing their hair, losing their hair and they're white haired. <laughs> they're like, they're, they know, they're so freaking smart. They know about so yeah. much. But I also think it's because they were there when like the computer was like, created. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, like, no, but for real, they're that. Old. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, like the desktop computer actually wasn't created that long ago. I know like, all these like millennials, like, or sorry, Gen Zers listening are like, ha ha ha. Actually, it was like, created within like the millennial like lifetime. Like people yeah. had desktop computers for the first time. Don't even look at me in that way because I know you're trying to guess my age right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like. No, I mean, I've had, I've used those computers with a connection that. Yeah. That really but, annoying. Yeah, I've, I've been there. You right. Know? But yeah. even like to have a desktop computer at a certain age. Like that was like, oh, wow, you have a computer at home. It was yeah. like within our lifetime. Well, my lifetime, whatever. OK, um, <laughs> we are probably a similar age. Uh, yeah, I think so. But I think I'm older, but it's fine. It's OK. <laughs> All right. So, you know, people bolding and but they're gaining yeah. knowledge. They're open to that. So that's yeah. good. They like but they understand like they're so I guess they're so cognizant of the fact that they would be seen as the old fuddy daddy that they put in so much effort to make sure that they're actually more knowledgeable than like yeah. the young bloods that are coming through. That was something I found really surprising in my field. I'm not sure about other fields, but definitely in my field. I thought that was really cool. The other thing I would say is to get familiar with how to pitch. So because I worked in an, in agencies, mm. marketing agencies, I would create pitches. We'd want to go get new business. So I was kind of used to um, pitching, right? And like they thankfully, I guess, because I can, I sound somewhat American and they, I, I'm somewhat presentable looking like my, my bosses would be like, sure, you can speak to the client. And that was really great for me because public speaking is something that I think a lot of people lack experience in. Definitely. Yeah. And it really depends on your, like, obviously like what you do for work, but most people don't have to speak publicly for work or it's like just a couple of people who they're presenting to like or like the c-suite level but um when you work in marketing you have to present almost all the time and how do you get good at that i mean for imagine somebody who has no public uh, speaking skills or presentation skills and they, they lack the confidence or they're nervous to you know do any public speaking which is normal we've all been there i've been there how do you overcome that like what are the initial steps what are your recommendations i'm like a show person like i'm super introverted but i like putting on a show and making people laugh and just being goofy so to some extent like it's a bit maybe it's a bit easier for me to, to do that just because i like that's my personality where i like to like just be silly but um i would definitely say I'll, there's so much YouTube videos out there to help people with that I think watch the videos do the work do the homework and I know it's annoying but there's no easy fix for anything in life and so yeah, you yeah. want to get good at something you have to look at how the how the grades are doing and how just, did you get good at um, pitching practice <laughs> so like at home in front of a mirror or um so i i prepare myself a lot before a pitch i'll know exactly what's on every slide i might act like i don't because i think that that's kind of psychologically it puts other people off guard and, and like lets yeah. them kind of 
you know, like think, oh, like poor girl. And then so they'll, they'll be nicer to me. <laughs> but I know every single comment will stop on that slide. You're prepared. You're, oh, a, you're, yes. a, you're a planner. I'm a planner. I'm a preparer. Yeah. We're so different. <laughs> I just like, I, I wing it. You know, I, I, in fact, if I memorize things and over plan it, it will make me nervous. I won't present as good. I actually do mm. better if I just wing it and I take that pressure off of myself. Of course, I know what I'm talking about. Yep. If, if you don't know what you're talking about, regardless, like you're not going to do well. Yep. Uh, you need to know what you're talking about. But um, I just wing it and it's interesting. I think your approach is also probably better um, for most people to plan it. For mo Yeah, for most people who, who can't wing it, they, they have to plan. Like, I feel like winging it, you have to have a certain level of confidence in yourself. Like, because if, if you don't have that, like, confidence where you're like, like, I know enough about this that I can, you know, say enough about it that it'll add value to, to whoever I'm talking to. But not everyone has that. So I definitely uh, recommend planning and um, just getting familiar with your with your work sometimes you know like even in, in interviews like you someone will ask you okay to tell me about yourself or tell me about things you did and you, you go blank you really have to know what you've done in your life um and especially i mean i haven't been working for that that long but i still draw a blank sometimes like i still forget some of the stuff that i've done not so much anymore but before i did yeah so, i mean it happens to all of us yeah exactly so getting familiar with that is really important this is great. I'm loving the good content, you know, like oh, I'm okay, learning. Good. I thought you were talking about the coffee for a minute. I'm like, I'm sure that's cold by now. <laughs> I was like, how are you loving it? Speaking of the coffee. <laughs> so as I entered here and I'm sitting down, um, you offer me coffee and you're like, listen, you have two options. There's the, the <laughs> shitty kind or the good kind. <laughs> And I'm thinking like, I've never met anybody who's offered me coffee like that, the shitty kind or the good kind. <laughs> Why would I go for the shitty kind if the good kind is an option? But because I was, I was drinking the shitty kind and I was like, I like the shitty kind because it, it kind of humbles you. It reminds you of, it like, you of like hardship, you know, like the instant coffee, one, and then two, it's fast. Like you got to wait for that little like machine to heat up the water. And yeah, then, I don't mind waiting. No. I mean, if you listen, like with the last episode, I talk about the ritual of making mm. a coffee, right? Yeah, Some people take it to an extreme, you know, they're yeah. like... They're doing that whole V60 thing and measuring things out. And I don't go that far, but instant coffee is just a... When, when, when time is money, my friend, <laughs> which by the way is something that I really believe in. Like I'm su such a non-time waster person um, that, yeah, I mean, but that's not why I drink instant coffee. I drink instant coffee because it tastes good to me. Like okay, that's so how bad my palate is. It's subjective, I guess. Yeah. Why do you refer to it as shitty coffee if you like it? Because I know that the collective world does not like. Does not like it. Yeah, and it's like a no-name brand too. Like, no, no, I really destroy so my, my insides. So it's like a Nescafe? No, it's a no-name brand. Not even Nescafe. Not even Nescafe. Okay. No, man. I don't even know what it is. Just it, caffeine. Yeah. Just, just a package that dried. says caffeine. I don't know what this is, but yeah, yeah it's something. <laughs> All right. So we talked about um, the pitch. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Because I think that's a really important uh, point that we don't want to mm -hmm. overlook that. The skill of pitching. And that's something I've had to work on myself. Like I wasn't naturally good at, at pitching. Like I'd come up with these amazing ideas, but I just, I wouldn't know how to sell them. It is super key to know how to get people to buy into you, what you're selling, etc. It's um, It takes time and a lot of homework. Again, I'll, I'll reiterate that because there's, there is no substitute for the hard work. And I think I heard that on our podcast like i'm also a huge avid listener of other podcasts too which by the way is really actually helpful um if you are trying to go off and do your own thing there are so many podcasts out there that will 
also guide you um, and talk about all the pitfalls of starting off on your own. And so then, I mean, it helps you avoid avoid it when you're starting out. Yeah, and you're listening to one right now. <laughs> <laughs> How can you plug your own thing in your own thing? I know, it's so ineffective. <laughs> You um, probably like hate that as a digital marketer. <laughs> no, I'm just like, I'm wondering, I'm like, what's the ROI on that? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> I mean, they're already, if someone's already listening to it, then it's, it's a fun vibe. I like this. It's good. Uh, yeah, I told you I'm goofy You're as hell. You're really goofy. And yeah, I it love doesn't it. come across in like... At all. No, I know, right? I seem like such a hard ass. I love you it. because very stern. Then, I know. I really like I'm that very, because actually then what it does is it weeds out the weirdos from my life. That's good. It's just I can't help it. Uh, so something else I really want to talk about is um, payments, getting paid. So starting off, yeah, yeah. you're nodding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, <laughs> because you were talking about how um, even while working, you sell your services. Mm. Honestly, that's one of the hardest things. Even I struggle with that. Like when I do voiceovers and stuff, how do you determine what your time and uh, the service you're providing is worth? So that question I'll get to in a second. What I actually wanted to touch on first, because I think that this kind of like is more important than actually setting the amount is like how to actually get paid. So I don't know if you've had this, but I, I know lots of marketers that have had this too, where you would submit work where someone would be like, oh, I just want to see like, you know, um, what's your ideas and how to do this? And, you know, like how can I hire you for the job if I don't know if you're, I like your ideas? Then you'd go like, okay, like valid point because you're dumb. And then you'd like share your idea and they'd be like, mm, never mind, bye. And then you'd see them utilizing your ideas. Oh, that's, yeah, it happens. It's dirty. Very dirty. Very dirty. And, or you'll actually do the work. Like, they'll be like, yeah, I'll hire you. But you know what? Like, let's just leave it out in the open. Like, no contract, no nothing. Like, let's just be hippies, you know, and just like rely on the word of like me. And like, How no. How often does that no. happen to you? Oh, uh, initially, oh my God, oh my gosh, like a lot, a lot. So many lot. like unethical people out there. Very extreme. And I was like, I'm a kid, like be nice to me. But that's why, like they're going to take advantage of you. And that's why I, I had to set this whole thing up, which is what I'm going to talk about now, about invoicing like sending people a proposal, detail your deliverables, detail the scope of work. And there's so many like uh, free templates and tools out there that you can actually look up yourself um, depending on what whatever your industry is, just to get an idea of how you should frame your uh, proposal. Once the proposal is done, I need them to sign it. They need to date it. I'm going to co-sign it and then I'm going to send that to them so we're all aware of what we're doing. In terms of invoicing, um, I also like invoice them and I, well, I tell them when I'm, I expect payment. I invoice them a week before that yeah it's just i i now make sure that i have everything like written down so if i need to go to complain to like the labor department or right. the ded whoever needs to hear about this i i have everything in writing versus like you know just words in the air which it was in the past so what do you do like if they ask you okay i need a sample of your work i need to know if you know you're the right fit what do you do you send them your proposal you send them what you've done in the past and that's shows them that you have created results for past clients and if that's not enough for them then you know too bad too bad yeah. because that is actually also how uh pitches are done in agencies initially only if you're invited for a specific pitch um for example uh recently um be in sports um actually approached the agency that i was working with and they were like oh we need you to pitch for this we have this campaign 
campaign, blah, blah, blah. And we want you to submit your ideas. And obviously they would go with the best idea. Mm. So, our, it, But then they wouldn't use our idea, obviously, because they didn't like it. Um, but when you're doing it on your own, your proposal is your pitch. It showcases what you've done in the past, how your thinking is, how creative you can be, or how technical you can be, depending on whatever it is that the client's looking for. If they want someone more on the technical side where they want ads run and they want to see results, like what are your numbers, you have that. Or if it's more creative and it's like, okay, so like this is the problem the client had and this is how I solved it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I'd say. And to answer your question actually about um, setting your price. Right. I sound like a pimp. <laughs> so setting your price. Right here with Iceberg Slim. Have you ever read that? Um, my sister told me about yeah. it. Yeah, Pimp by Iceberg Slim. Yeah, she, did you read the book? I read the book, yeah. How was that? I've read two of his books. And? I loved it. Did it teach you like, cause my sister said that she read excerpt, excerpts of it and it kind of like, she admired his business ethic basically. I was like, what the? I don't know about that. I mean, he was uh, using coat hangers to, to beat his, uh, his, his prostitutes. Is uh, it cause it wouldn't leave, leave a mark? Cause then that's good. Like that's good business. I mean, it's, I it's mean, like, <laughs> like, no, think about it. No, like, I mean like, I'm not saying he's not smart. I mean, when it comes to all things, uh, pimping, pimping. he's, <laughs> He's incredible. There's a lot of like, that's the, that's the Bible of pimps right there. Iceberg yeah. slim. I mean, but you know, yeah, he, he did some bad things. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, exploiting, exploiting a uh, woman and stuff, but you know, at the end of the day, like it's, it's cool to expose yourself to different things as part of life. Right. You mean, <laughs> you mean re reading the book or do you mean it being exploited? It's good no, no, to no. Expo expose yourself. No, don't get exploited. Um, oh, okay. Thanks for that. But, oh, I was uh, going to go out in the streets right now. But no, reading the book, you know, yeah. Like no, I for said, sure. I'm the type of person that would read the most random things. Same. I think I was telling you, well, not, not same, yeah. but like I was telling you how I read things that I don't agree with on purpose or like I expose myself to people or ideas that I vehemently disagree with like once in a while just so that I can feel that anger rise and then learn how to control it and be like, hmm, okay. I love interesting. it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But why do you, why do you feel like, like if you read something you don't agree with, like if you're exposed to something that's a different opinion, mm -hmm. why does that make you angry? I don't know. It's just this very annoying thing, right? That you have this like visceral reaction to like want to push away anything that you disagree with, mm -hmm. right? So whether that's uh, physically with your fists or it's like just with your mind or like with your body, like even if you watch someone talking or you watch people's body language and someone says something surprising or incorrect, you'll see someone move away a little bit. They're like, oh, yeah, like, literally cringe, taken aback cringe yeah exactly but like give me an example of like what's one thing that misogyny <laughs> misogyny okay yeah so like okay yeah so like that for me i'd be like automatically like i think we're super off topic but <laughs> yeah we'll get back on the topic <laughs> But yeah, like I, I literally, if I meet someone who I even think is a hint of a misogynist, I'm just like mm -mm, out of my circle, out of my life, bye-bye, like leave. Just because time is money and I do not want to waste time. But I will seek out things that I think are misogynistic and consume content that I think is misogynistic. Just so I can remind myself that you have control of your emotions and you need to actually control them. Even if someone's saying something you don't agree with, you need to figure out a way to stay curious and take kernels of what they're saying just to kind of just pull anything any kind of information out of that right yeah exactly i mean whether you agree with it or disagree it's mm. everybody has their own opinions have you ever seen some of uh cobra tate's videos name sounds familiar from the manosphere because that would piss you off i feel like i've seen parodies of that 
like people par parodying he's, him. He's this um, bold former uh, kickboxing champion. Yes, 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 yeah, okay. yeah. I just feel like he would, he would. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, if any any woman that has like one of the self respect, that, like, would be like, what what is? Because one of the things he was saying was like, a uh, woman should clean unprompted. I mean, yeah, obviously. Okay, so th there's a limit. So if if there's if there's someone who you already think is an idiot, just saying idiotic things, you're yeah. just gonna be like, whatever. Like, keep living your life. Like, do so you. that wouldn't like would that piss you off? Or because he's an idiot, no. But if it was someone, for example, if someone who other people looked up to, um, that's where I have a problem. Joe Rogan, for me, initially, when I was listening to him, I thought he was super misogynistic. Like, and he still kind of is. He still has, and he has said some misogynistic things. Really? Like what? I don't remember. Like, I'm not going to misquote or anything, but he has said some stuff where I was like, what the? He's a comedian, though. True, but he wasn't saying it in a comedic sense on his, like, when I, when I heard whatever it was he was saying. But at the same time, he doesn't go there anymore, I found. Like, not now, but he has, like, a huge cult following so let's say he would he was misogynistic repeatedly and would say these like negative things about women and put women down and like basically try to assume the, the role of we are the better gender right like milo yiannopoulos no see like you're, you're giving yeah. me new names for me to look up so i yeah. can get, get annoyed i'll give you the the <laughs> list of people that will annoy you anyways <laughs> but let's not go off track it's good that you do expose yourself to, to things mm. um because it develops thick skin to sum it up so far, we've talked about knowing your achievements, your, yeah. your accomplishments, and, you know, trying to gain that confidence in yourself. The second point was uh, pitching, right? Um, getting comfortable pitching, and that's very important. Uh, developing presentation skills and being able to pitch and uh, really sell yourself, market yourself. And third thing was uh, setting a price. And you mentioned a really important point, which was invoices and having everything on paper, because I'm someone who's, uh, you know, who's made the mistake of not having email threads and I paid the price for it uh, and not having things documented and I paid the price for it. So it's really important that people do that because it sucks that people get exploited and people take advantage of uh, you know, a lot of like fresh graduates, but it happens. It's there's some sharks out there. Yep. <laughs> they really are. Um, yeah, it, it is. Um, it is super important to make note of everything. And it, some people might find that it's a bit like, I guess, litigious or it's like, oh, why would I note that down? Or why would I no, like write it, like write everything. Um, and another thing that I started to do um, is so when you're doing it on your own completely like I am, you, you, you tend to forget the things that you've accomplished and your clients do, too. So what I do is I like to set weekly um, status updates where it holds me accountable to actually doing great things every week, but also it allows the client to understand the kind of work that I'm doing for them every week, even though I send them like a work breakdown structure ahead of time. So like this is the initial phase. This is like what these are the milestones, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I make sure that obviously that is being uh, adhered to. But at the same time, with these weekly updates and with some clients that can be biweekly, whatever, like you, you decide with your client. I remind myself and them how awesome I am. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, and it's it's really really important to do that for yourself but also for your client to know like that you're helping them because yeah. at the end of the day that's what you're doing with marketing you're helping your, your client get money and that's really what I love to do I'm just like I'm making you money right now like how how awesome is this yeah. Um, so yeah yeah you want to remind them of the value that you're adding because sometimes they they lose sight of that mm -hmm. and it's super important I mean it's a good tactic yeah I'm gonna keep it in mind for sure <laughs> yeah just for like sure weekly hey uh, you know I'm awesome right 
I <laughs> on this for you. Um, yeah, every Monday. Well, because uh, most of my clients are in the UAE, so they start on Mondays now. So every Monday, first thing in the morning. Hey guys, I'm awesome. Did you did you remember that from last week when I said that? Let me explain to you why. So that, that's pretty. That's pretty key, but also it reminds me that I've done some good things um, for them. And then it kind of encourages me to keep going for like the next week. Those are kind of the top things that I would say um, has like helped me get started. And honestly, it's not easy if you want to do it full time. Like, yeah. It's not easy. If you have commitments, financial commitments, com commitments to anything that requires energy and time and your nine to five kind of gives you enough time that you can do yeah. meet, meet those commitments, I'd say really think about jumping into this. A lot of people want to become digital as they dream of, you know, being able to travel around, literally work somewhere like where they have like a, a beach and coconut trees and, you know, good or vibes. Or construction downstairs. Yeah, exactly. Or construction <laughs> downstairs in your case. Um, what are some reasons not to leave your nine to five or to leave your marketing job or whatever job you have to become independent or a consultant or to do your own thing? Um, because I'm honest, I'm going to say like, obviously. We want honesty, <laughs> you know. Good. So on days when you're, I remember I used to like add my sick days to part of my leave. Like when I was like working like full time with a company, I'd be like, okay, I've got like 30 days leave and then two weeks. That's awesome. And then I would just take my sick days and add it to my leave. Like I would just be like, mm, not coming today, not feeling well. Meanwhile, I'm like chilling at Barasti Beach Club. Like, do you know, like, yeah, but you can but, do that. I mean, you get you a certain amount of sick days. So it's not like you're doing something wrong. No, I, I didn't feel that way at all, by the way. Like not at all. But like, but I actually would get so paid for bad. it. No, no, I never felt bad okay, about good. it. Okay, good. That's what I'm yeah. saying. But I would get paid, right? I'd be on the beach, but I'd be getting paid for like a quote unquote sick day. Guess what? when you're working for yourself you don't really get sick days like if you're not delivering your deliverables you don't get money right if especially if you work on very short-term projects if you miss a deadline and let's say you work for like a consortium of freelancers they're going to give that you know project to someone else um and then they might not tap you for the next project because they're like well this person is kind of inconsistent so that's something that i really found that i found very annoying where i couldn't take it even when i was sick like actually sick i had to work like in like now in the after times mm. in the before times when I had like a steady job I could just like go to work and maybe give 10% but guess what I still get paid but now I have to always give 100% it's for it's forced me to be more accountable to myself and to my clients well mainly to myself because I actually have to show up and do the work every single day not everyone's ready for that not everyone is ready to you know put in a lot of effort because we're just it, that's just the way life is right we get complacent we're just like mm, nah like I'd rather just sit and get my money and chat with my colleagues that's another thing chatting with colleagues you don't have colleagues when you're doing it on your own not really because you're just um either working from your home or okay you have a co-working space but it's not the same camaraderie as you have when you have like a company do you culture. miss that hell no that? hell no. no i wouldn't oh my goodness like i literally would have a sign like do not talk to me like no like no what about like did, is it because you didn't really like your colleague i mean not all of them I, there are colleagues that i liked but you know i'd say there were more colleagues i didn't like than the ones i liked and you know the ones that i like i can see them outside of work but the accountability thing is interesting because like you said, what you're going to get is the input that you're going to put, right? Yeah. So if you're slacking in that department, you're going to get less. Now that you're doing this, you're kind of forced 
to be accountable, but how do you make sure you stay like super accountable and on top of everything and true to yourself? So I'm naturally accountable as a human being. So even though I would be on those beach days, it's because I had accomplished something amazing. And so I'm like, mm, I, can, I can relax. For people that don't have that, I really don't know how to offer up advice. I'm not going to lie. I would just literally feel bad within myself when I don't, when I lie to myself and don't like achieve what I told myself I was going to achieve. Even if it's just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, stop scrolling on my phone in five minutes. And then I don't, like I keep doing it. I, I get so like sad with myself because I just lied to myself, but I don't know how other I mean I'm I feel like other people might feel the same way but then sometimes I meet people and they're like no we no like they just they, yeah maybe they lack the willpower I mean it's not and procrastination is a big thing like I struggle with that like procrastination distractions you know or your mind just goes off uh into places but do you do write lists down do you journal okay yeah 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 um I so definitely big on that very big what's on your that. approach to um journaling or writing lists down and just being organized yeah, so I, I literally write every single thing down. So any meeting I have, I I started off just being like this, like like, like secretary at every meeting when I was when I was working full time. I'd like I'd be like I'm writing the meeting minutes because I miss nothing. Like I miss absolutely nothing. Like even in my personal life, like I'll notice every gesture, everything. And so I'm really good at that. And um, with writing meeting minutes, I got to basically under like I'd have to force myself to listen to what everyone was saying first of all. I think starting from that mindset doing that all the time when I was younger I keep that till until now like I'll have a phone call with anyone I'd be writing mm. notes like crazy and then that's how I know okay this is what I have to do this is what I'm adding to the list and then I'd reprioritize all of that delegate who I needed to like delegate to and I put everything in like writing like every single thing in writing because people forget and they have a reference point to go back to and, and so do I right where I'm like okay actually who did I give this task to and it's like okay you I told you two hours it's now three hours like what what are you doing and yeah, you can imagine I'm a very hard taskmaster from that tone of voice that you just heard. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> People need you on projects, that's for sure. <laughs> Everybody needs somebody like you on a project. Um, that's true. How does that look like, like these notes and stuff? Is it like a laptop or do you have different journals for different things? Like, how does that look like for you? Um, it's organized mess. So it's, this is for, uh, this notebook is for stuff like this like meetings and more like meeting minutes. Then I have a larger one because I prefer to write in, mm -hmm. in bigger ones. And that's where I would write my to-do to lists and tasks and things that um, I want to do in terms like work-wise, but then also personal-wise. So like I need to sign up for this course or I need to read that book or whatever. Um, so it's just two main books, I guess, uh, notebooks where I Okay, put so my... this one is for meetings, things like that. Yeah. What's the other one for? It's more for where I would actually list my to my daily tasks so for personal and for work so it's like okay this is the meeting minutes and then I, I I basically parse whatever I have here there in more in more deliverable format so it's like one finish this two and I, I I work very systematically because my mind works quite systematically so I have to do things in order otherwise like I kind of go out of whack so when you are achieving these things throughout your day um, and you're crossing them off your list it actually feels really freaking good mm. but you actually have to go and cross it off your list like it actually feels really really like cathartic and I think that when you're disorganized and you, you're, you're cognizant of the fact that you are disorganized mm. but you want to do better and you have that little like you know pat on the back thing where you're crossing something off your list mm. you're like oh that feels good like I did that you're going to want to do it again so you're going to try to keep yourself on track um but keep it small. Don't do big things that you know you're not going to do right. because then you're just going to 
feel disappointed in you're gonna yourself. L- you're going to lose confidence like if you exactly. have set big goals. And that's why it's important to have like, you know, little milestones that you achieve. Exactly. And remember to ce- like celebrate those wins because why not, right? Like, why not? Like life is too short to not celebrate any little win. Like me not stuttering for once in this like podcast, I'm going to, you know, celebrate a win. <laughs> you know, here's what I want to do. So I want to try something. This just came up. I always come up with weird ideas. I want you're you. You're Sagittarius. It's normal. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It seems like weird. you're really big and in- in- when it comes to horoscopes. Um, not horoscopes, but zodiac signs. <laughs> zodiac signs. Okay. But yeah. I feel like people are very true to it. Never date a Gemini. Lady. But none of this stuff Never is Never date a Gemini. Right. doesn't have to be. The whole like not feeling people's like energy or vibes. It's not really scientific because people will say, oh, you're just picking up on like behavioral cues. But it's like, no, there's also something else behind it. I think think that's unexplainable that's a good uh that's a good thing to look into actually <laughs> is that actual because i've I talked about this on the episode with moby uh yeah you did. Moby. yeah we talked about this when it comes to energy like is it an, actually an energy like when we talk about vibes or energy whether it's a place or somebody is it actually energy you're picking up on or is it through evolution we pick up on small subliminal things that you know register in our minds like okay there's danger or this person is sick or you know, sick. I don't know what. Yeah, like no, but I mean sick as in like they might have a disease or something. You know, like back in the day, you know, there's. Have you ever heard the theory of the uncanny valley? No, but <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Right. Um, I'm just trying to remember this because I I wrote it in my thesis a, like a long time ago for my master's. But like, there's a point uh, when it comes to humanoid like AIs like robots. If they look really, if they look really human, it's not uncanny. Mm-hmm. If they look robotic, it's not uncanny. Mm-hmm. It's when they when they don't look quite human. Like you can uh. tell they're something is a bit off, but they're close. There's like that point. It's called the uncanny valley where it dips and it evokes this uncanny response in us. I and see. that would also happen, you know, way back in the day when like let's say you encounter someone who's really sick, mm-hmm. you know, like during the plague or something's off, like they're I don't know, greenish or you're foaming in the mouth. I'm talking way, way back, right? Yeah, foaming at the mouth. I think that's <laughs> I don't know the if that's dead giveaway. That sounds like yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's what the uncanny valley is. So, so that could be what it is. Like, what do you think? Well, firstly, can I just say, I've seen a lot, because, okay, TikTok is a mad place, but I've seen lots of comments saying Uncanny Valley under people's videos. And I was like, is that a TV show? Like, I was like, mm, I need to go look, look that up. I never did. So now I just, I know just how mean people really are. I swear, TikTok is a mad place. But anyway, now that I know what Uncanny Valley means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a Japanese uh, a robot, like, scientist that came up with this theory. Oh, that's really interesting. Even when you walk into, like, someone's apartment or something, like, when you came in here and, like, let, let's say I was in standing there and I was just like I, like the door opened on its own because you know that's just we're living in 2030. What do you mean the door just swung open and there's yeah. nobody there? Yeah l- let's say that happened and you walked in you'd still pick up on a vibe in in the room right? Like, I don't know if I would have walked in if it just swung and there's nobody <laughs> there. I don't know. Huh. Maybe I'm living in 2030 okay yeah. like maybe maybe I have an invisible okay, butler. Can, you know can you tell the the listener about the the whole dress idea how you wanted to like mess with me? <laughs> Okay. That's interesting. Is it? Okay, so because I'm such a goofy human being, I wanted to like wear this really elaborate dress and like basically like a a tiara or whatever and open my door to Khalid and invite him in just and be like, just act very normal. Like as if what I was wearing was not weird as F. (laughs) And I did it. I put on the dress and stuff and I was like, oh man, it's just really uncomfortable to like move in this. I just changed back into like whatever comfortable stuff. But like, but why? Why? Because it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) If I, if that happened, wouldn't you be like, what the hell? Because like, does she know that we're not getting married? Like what is happening? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) 
I don't think I would have been the most person to to react to that. I would I would probably just like complimented you, just like yeah, it's a it's a nice dress. No, come on, no, so you in the back of your mind you would have been like, yeah, maybe is a she bit. okay? Like, maybe a little bit. Like, what does she think this is? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, is my mom supposed to show up? Yeah. Like, um, what's going on? This is a trap. Yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that's just who I am, just goofy as f. Okay, so moving on from like working like a job and then and then doing your own thing. How long was that process to, you know, reaching a point where like financially, you know, you're 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 comfortable or you're able to sustain yourself? Like how long was that process? Um, it's still a process. So, unless you have like c- consistent clients that you're working with um and a consistent uh you know, like roster of people that you can rely on, it's always going to be a process. So I do have some consistent income, but it's still, um, there's still this like fear that you have of like, oh, like anything could happen. Mm -hmm. So you're always trying to get more and more and more clients and more and more and more income. But then that's when you need to start thinking about passive income. So that's when you need to start thinking about investing. You just start thinking about putting money into things that will essentially give you money while you sleep. Right. Mm. So that's the only I mean, even when you're working nine to five, you have to do that. But it's yeah, it hits home when you're really doing it for yourself because you're like, I, I can't be doing this. Like I wake up at five every day, which is something I enjoy doing. But then inevitably what will happen is I'm going to be writing my task list and then I'll be like, oh, let me just do that now because, you know, I have time. And then I start working from like 530 and it's like, no, and I won't finish till like, I don't know, sometimes seven because some things, you know, get uh, delivered to me late. Wow. From like the so graphic you sometimes designer start, or, start like five in the morning, you finish at seven. Yeah, that's very demanding. It is, but I, because I really love what I do, I'm I'm okay with it. And don't get me wrong, during I, I work from home during the day, I'll sit and just put on my makeup and just to do like an Instagram video because I'm just whatever. Like you know, I'll I'll do like random stuff during the day. It's not like um 13 hours of working. Right, where you're at the office and you're supposed to be yeah. you know working. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm know. in my pajamas or in a face mask or I, I go make my lunch, so it's not as taxing as it sounds. It does creep into your daily life, right? Like it's um. There should definitely be a barrier, but with me, I am still working that out. I'm not going to lie between my personal life and work life, but also because, like I said, I'm an introvert. I don't really like to go out a lot. Time is money for me. So for me, if I'm working, if I'm if I'm doing things that's going to make me money and you know something I enjoy, hell yeah, like that's you know that that's fine for me. But ideally, investing and and at that point is when I know that I would have security and I would have made it, and then that's when I'd be like, okay, I'm I'm financially free. Like if this client comes or goes, I don't care. I have these investments. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the goal. That's the goal for most of us is to have passive income. Um, is that something you're, you have? You, do you have passive income now? Is that something you're working on? Like, <laughs> I never tell. <laughs> you never tell. Okay. <laughs> Real estate or stocks? <laughs> Crypto, NFTs, just kidding. But uh, digital is the way to go, I think. Digital it's as all, in crypto, NFTs, the metaverse. Everything. Yeah, no, like all, all of that. Okay. All of that. <laughs> so if, if we're comparing, because you grew up most of your life in, in Dubai, in the UAE, most people, when they think of like a UAE and they think of Qatar, they're very similar. Mm. But in, in what ways would you say um, they're very different? Society. So when people say the UAE to me, I think Dubai because that's where I spent most. Like, I grew up in between Abu Dhabi and Dubai, but I spent most of my adult life in Dubai. So immediately I just think Dubai, which is really wrong, obviously, because there's seven Emirates. But in my little bubble of Dubai, society there was very different. Don't know how to put it into words. It's just it's a vibe. They're not that focused on 
work like it's more about living a good life so it's a very mediterranean kind of lifestyle living you think so yeah dubai at least amongst the people i hung out with yes but i mean like the work culture there is it's pretty hardcore from what i hear it is but so it's is a very living. hustle kind of city not really not really i don't know about other fields but i find here in marketing the salaries are extremely low like so like disappointingly low to the point that that's why i was like i'm not even going, going to take any clients in qatar creativity as well is like really low they do not pay agencies what they're worth like i just decided to just not ever take clients on here Salaries in Dubai in my field are astronomical compared to here, astronomical. But then the cost of living is the same. So the cost and actually the cost of living is slightly higher here. So if I'm going to go out to get food, I'd pay a lot less in Dubai than I would here. Really? Yes. And everyone gets surprised, including my sister who like we grew up, you know, obviously together in the UAE. But she went there recently and she's like, yo, everything is so cheap. I'm like, yeah. I know, so I'm trying to tell you, but not everything. What? I mean, when you think Ubers. of Dubai, yeah. you know, it's an expense. I mean, Doha is very expensive. Don't get me wrong. Like coffee here is the most expensive in the yeah. world. I read that too. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I literally cry. I, I yeah. like post Instagram stories and I get a coffee because I'm like, look guys, look what I can afford. Like, yeah. It's like someone it's a, posting a Rolex. It's like, like a status. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's a, it's a way to fuck. Ralph's coffee, but that, yeah. Sorry, that was Arabic. But Ralph's coffee, my goodness. Do you know it's like 35 reals? For like a, a small cup oh, of coffee. Yeah, that, that hurts. That really hurts. That's a but meal for a family. I'm just surprised that, yeah, and I used to think coffee was expensive in New Zealand, but like Doha's on another level. SubhanAllah, seriously. Uh, but when you think of Dubai, you think of very expensive cost of living, but you're saying it's around the same. If not, Doha's more expensive. Yeah. So, and I say that because, and it feels that way too, because salaries are a lot lower here. So then uh -huh. you're not getting enough to really live life. Like it's... It's hard to it's hard to justify expenses when it costs so much to do basics. Do you know what I mean? So even expectations. So I love expectations in Dubai. It's like it's on the water. It's beautiful. It's like in JBR. And I would walk to it almost like every week, every every single week and every Friday morning or something. I'd, I'd walk there and like have my breakfast and sit and enjoy the view like I was one of the real housewives of Atlanta or something. Anyway, here I can't do that. Well, one, because I'm not going to walk all the way to the Pearl. But at the same time, like the breakfast that I always eat, which is the expected because steak and eggs are life oh costs, yeah like yes i think it's like 25 reals more here than in does it yeah why than in dubai exactly i don't know why and when i first came and i was like oh i'm getting this and i was telling my sister it's such a good price blah blah, blah. and so she's like okay great blah, blah blah and i was like i think in dubai it's like 68 i want to say or 70 here it's like i don't know man i've forgotten i think it's like it's like it's a it's a lot more here. yeah it's a lot more i mean and i was like what because looking at the price and i'm like i'm sorry like i thought it was a much better price she's like this is She's like, it's fine because she's used to it. She's used to prices here. But I was like, no, it's not supposed to cost this much. So what's more expensive in Dubai then? Ubers. Ubers are more expensive. <sighs> so much more expensive. But that's also because it's more um, standardized. So every Uber you get looks the same. It's, it's a Lexus car standard. Sometimes you might get an Audi. Like yeah. mm, sometimes you might oh, here get. Here you get some bad cars. Yeah, yeah, but I like that. I like that it's more real. I like that it's like actual people trying to hustle and, you know, make money on the side. But there yeah. it's privatized. So it's not, it's, these aren't, these are, okay, obviously you're individual people but they're individual people working for like a company you know you mentioned that the salaries are a lot better over there is it just in your field and in marketing or 
in general. I want to say... I know in media for sure. In my yes. field, in media, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I was going to say media in general for sure. Yes, in Dubai it's higher. Other fields, I want to say it's higher also just because of the kind of lifestyles that my friends are living who have similar roles to friends here who are not living. So I'm like, mm, I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure overall. But it's also because they probably for now get bigger projects. Doha's on its way, right? I mean, like UAE has had a bit of a head start to like a lot of other GCC countries, to, to be fair. So um, we're, we're all just kind of catching up and hopefully we'll all get there in our own ways, whatever there looks like. Like every single country has its own like vision and mission of what they really want to achieve for their, their their people. And it might not look like what, you know, the rulers of the UAE want to achieve for their people. But um, yeah, I just, um, I just think that it's important to recognize creatives. And I find that Doha does that. That's something I find that Doha does really, really well in terms of artists. They seem to be investing a lot in art. Oh, so much. So yeah. I'm super into that kind of, um, I guess, nerdy stuff. And I'm constantly at Marhia Gallery or like Fire Station or like... Yeah, Fire um, Station's cool. Yeah, or like Iwan Gallery. Um, there's so many. There's so... Like, I can't even list them all. There's and so many. What, what, what I like um, is there... And this is what I really believe in. Parks. You know, now they're, they're yes. you know, more public spaces, more parks. There was hardly anything here. And they're starting to do that. You know, you've got like Bidah Park by the fire station. You got and it's the awesome that, Yeah. It's awesome that you get to, to be a part of it. Like I was part of the growth of the UAE and I I can't even remember what it was like before. Now I'm just like, yeah, this is this is the new standard of living. And I'm like, this I won't accept anything less, right? Oh, yeah. So that's gonna happen here too. People are never gonna remember the time when, you know, there wasn't public spaces or there wasn't all these art galleries and all these art openings and all these cool yeah. exhibitors and world famous artists coming to exhibit here. I first moved out here in 2006 um, and then I moved back to New Zealand later but that was when the Asian games were happening and I went to the uh, opening ceremony and yeah Doha was completely different then it's a lot better now in my opinion there's more parks more things to do however there's one thing that was better back then uh, no yeah well the price uh, the cost of living and um, you know the salaries the packages uh, the benefits were a lot better That's things what, have gone downhill every, yeah everyone keeps telling me like what are you talking about like so Doha was like even when I was in the UAE everyone's like oh, you should move there. Like they, they pay like crazy, especially because you're Omani. They love Omani's there. Like you should go. And I was like, now that I'm here and I'm telling people it's all like, like that might have been in the past. It's not the case anymore. They're like, no, like there's still that rumor going around. That's like, no, move to Doha because they pay so well um, in every single field. And it's like, I don't know. It's no, longer the, it's no longer the case. Is there anything else that stands out when it comes to like living in Dubai versus living in Doha? I mean, yeah, but it's, I don't think I'm going to go there because I'll get slated for it. But like, I'll just touch on it. The dating scene is definitely different. At least it was for me. I find people still complain about it. Like my, my female friends who live there. Just, a lot of people complain here. Though has a really bad place when it comes to dating. Just zero talent. Zero <laughs> talent. Trust me, I know all sorts of horror stories, especially from, from women. Uh, they tell me it's, uh, they meet some, some strange, uh, some strange people out here. <laughs> I, I, I'm just really happy that I gave up very early on into my stint into Doha. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, yeah, I'm, and now I just listen to the stories and I'm like, thank you God for giving, like for showing me the light very early on. Yeah, no. And, uh, and Tinder as well here. Um, I haven't used Tinder here, but I have friends that do. 
I'm in a relationship, but uh, I have friends that you do use Tinder and uh, one of my enjoyments is just listening to their stories. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Actually, some, sometimes I will go like on Tinder dates or I used to just to he like ask them about their worst Tinder date stories. Like That's amazing. Honestly, it's just funny. I love that. I have one of my buddies who I'm not going to mention his name because maybe he doesn't want his name mentioned. Um, he went on a Tinder date once with this girl who within the first hour brought up marriage and meeting her family and everything like and, and he was completely like put off he's like well there's no he's like just tell me buddy there's no romance no nothing leading up to it it was just straight like are you ready to meet my my, my parents you know where your parents accept me and blah 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 first hour of meeting her she scared him off damn but she knows what she wants yeah i respect that yeah <laughs> yeah could have left it for the second date maybe <laughs> That's funny. But uh, if we assess it, what is it about the Doha dating scene? You know, because no, because it's like this. Like you talk to so many people and it's mm -hmm. the same stories, same experiences, whether it's guys who are married. <laughs> <laughs> back home and I've known girls have dated a guy here and they're like oh yeah and they, they think there's potential and stuff later to find out like they have a, like a wife and, a, and and children somewhere else or or here that's wild, wild. Mm. okay I could tell you don't want to you don't want to go into it I mean what's there to go into like it's just funny I don't know <laughs> it is funny it's 2022 we're here we, we want to get a woman's perspective oh or, so, <laughs> what does that even mean um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it sucks. Like what, like, like there's nothing, nothing to elaborate on. <laughs> it's just, it's horrible. Like, yeah. And I, I guess like being a mud blood doesn't help. Like, I guess if I was like straight up, like Arab girl, you know, I just go to my parents and be like, find me someone, but I'm not, I'm mixed. And, um, my mentality is that too. Like I didn't grow up the way typical Khaliji girls grow up, you know, yeah. like, like at all. I was skateboarding with my, my little brother and his friends at like still at 15, you know, That's cool. where most girls were like I don't know what they were doing but like I, I didn't see many of them out there with me um but you know it, it's like I can't relate so I need to find like a niche person who's very like mixed like me and but also has like the culture and the values of you know like what we hold dear to, to us in of the in, in the Gulf you know like this is a recurring theme in um in this podcast we're trying to give people advice on better living I'm trying to get advice on better living it's a journey for everybody uh I'm sure you're looking for the same always new ways to improve your life what What's your advice on how to live a better life? I really should have thought about this, shouldn't I? Yeah. Like, let, let me look at my notes. I'm yeah. I can't believe I didn't even, I didn't we note that down. We went through your notes real quick, by the way. We did. How to live a better life. I think you should stay curious, keep learning, because that's how life stays fresh for you. That's how you stay excited about the small things and the big things. There's so much to know. There's so much to learn. And I think that's, for me, a way to live the best life is by always questioning, always wanting to know and incorporating that knowledge, obviously, as well into your life it's easy to just like read something and then forget about it but incorporating that new new knowledge into your knowledge base and making use of it is really where the difference lies between you and the next guy couldn't agree more always be curious there's always there's so many things to learn in fact there's too many things to learn like you can't keep up and that's yeah. one of the big struggles so you know always be curious always learn and try new things i guess because sometimes if you don't try new things you never know yep yeah I think having pets 
is one of the most valuable things you can learn a lot. And recently, <laughs> you were dog sitting, really cute dog, uh, yes. Pitbull Roxy. Yep. What's something you learned from that experience? Literally, animals are going to animal. Okay. <laughs> because, and it kind of shook me from my reverie of, oh my God, like she's so like me. And I was like putting all these human emotions onto her. Projecting like, that exactly. onto the dog. Oh, she's doing this. That means this. Haha. Ha, like, aren't they cute? They're just like us. So she killed a cat, which she's prone to do. She just goes after cats all the time. And she killed one in front of me. And I remember I was standing over her like I couldn't breathe. I was screaming and I was like so shell shocked. And I just at some point I just went silent and I was just like, oh, like I'm reliving it. <laughs> Excuse me. Anyway, I remember just thinking just having this out of body experience because I mean, I'm a dog person, but I love all animals. And I was like seeing this like little helpless kitten who was so skinny and so like defenseless. And I'm like watching this creature that I love killing it for no reason. Yeah. And I was like, oh my, like anyway, whatever. Point is, I learned in that moment, you know what? That's her nature. Like how, how am I trying to, and I'm not a dog trainer. I can't train her out to like stop yeah. doing this. It's not, you know, it's not what I'm capable of doing. I have to accept it. And yeah, I still had to love her and, you know, be like, okay, like that was bad, but I still love you. And I had to like grow from that because, you know, what was I going to do? Like keep her in her kennel? It's like, not her fault. I mean, she could use some training. She, she could. And dogs are, you know, you're able to domesticate dogs, but like a chimp or other, you know, these wild exotic animals, just let them be in the wild, in my opinion. Um, True. I mean, but even dogs turn on owners sometimes. You hear all these stories, like it just yeah. happens because animals are going to animal. Like you, you really never know. Any final dun, thoughts? Dun, dun. Thanks, man. Like, I'm glad you thought I was interesting enough for this. Like, this I is actually, a cool conversation. I enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, but like, I guess, are there no cool people in Doha to have conversations with? Because like, I don't know because I don't go out, but. No, there are. Like, okay. uh, yeah, no, you have to. Yeah, so thank you then. Thank you yeah. for, yeah, thanks for thinking I'm cool enough for this. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I like that you have a sense of humor. You're definitely goofy. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we talked about digital marketing, but we also talked about a lot of other stuff. <laughs> we went on many different tangents, which was really cool. Yeah, it was. All right. We are out. You've been listening to Curated Advice on Better Living. It's our passion to interview guests on their experiences to bring you different perspectives on personal development, on everything from healthy habits to mindset to relationships to functional movement and biohacking. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And we hope you've gotten some information that can change your mindset. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, we'll leave you with this from Bruce Lee. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend.